send Mrs. Jenkins to me, Martha, please. Armed with plenty of excuses, what more could the sour old crab ask for than out-of-season cucumber? Mrs. Jenkins came in girded for battle. But the look Miss Mary wore banished her anger at once. Yes, Miss Mary. My mother has passed away, Mrs. Jenkins. Kindly send for Dr. Callum. Old Jenkins can go in the pony and trap. Tell Jenkins to saddle the roan, pack his needs and be ready to ride for Pemberley as soon as I have written a note. He is to have five guineas from your jar for his journey, for he must make all haste. Good inns, good hired horses, when the roan cannot carry him farther. Mary's voice held its usual composure. No huskiness, no tremor to betray her feelings. For nigh on seventeen years, thought Mrs. Jenkins, this poor woman has listened to her mother's megrims and woes, moans and complaints, when, that is, she wasn't listening to shrill outpourings of delight, triumph, self-congratulation. Saying just the right thing, competently averting an attack of the vapours, jockeying Mrs. Bennet into a better mood as briskly and unsentimentally as a good governess, a wayward child. And now it was over, all over. Begging your pardon, Miss Mary, but will Jenkins find Mr. Darcy at home? Yes. According to Mrs. Darcy, Parliament is in recess. Bring me Mamma's pink silk scarf. I would cover her face. The housekeeper bobbed a curtsy and left. A prey to many doubts, fears, apprehensions. What would become of them now? from father to young Jem and Dora. The scarf properly draped, the fire stoked against the coming night of frost, the candles lit. Mary went to the window and sat on its cushioned seat, there to reflect on more than this visitation from death. Of grief she felt none. Too many years, too much boredom. In lieu of it, she fastened upon a growing sense of becalm, as if she had been transported to some vast chamber filled by a darkness that yet was luminous, floating on an invisible ocean, not afraid, not diminished. I have waited thirty-eight years for my turn to come, she thought, but not one of them can say that I have not done my duty, that I have not tipped my measure of happiness into their cups that I have not stepped backward into obscurity, crying one word of protest at my fate. Why am I so unprepared for this moment? Where has my mind wandered when time has hung so heavily upon me? I have been at the beck and call of an empty vessel called Mamma, but empty vessels hardly ever manage to scratch up an observation, a comment, an idea. So I have spent my time waiting just waiting, with a squadron of Jenkinses to look after her. Mamma did not need me. I was there as a sop to the proprieties. How I hate that word, propriety. An iron-bound code of conduct invented to intimidate and subjugate women. I was doomed to be a spinster, the family thought, with those shocking, supurating spots all over my face and a front tooth that grew sideways. Of course, Fitz felt that Mamma had to be chaperoned by a member of the family, in case she took to travelling to Pemberley or Bingley Hall. If only Papa had not died two years after Lizzie's and Jane's weddings. Think, Mary, think, she scolded herself. Be logical. It was the boredom, 
I had no choice but to dream the weeks, the months, the years away, of setting foot on the stones of the Forum Romanum, of eating oranges in a Sicilian orchard, of filling my eyes with the Parthenon, of pressing my cheek against some wall in the Holy Land that Christ Jesus must have touched, or leaned upon, or brushed with his shadow. I have dreamed of roaming free along foreign shores, dreamed of sampling the cities of sunnier climes, the mountains and skies I have only read about, while in reality I have lived in a world divided between books, music, and a mamma who did not need me. But now I am free. I have no wish to experience any of those things. All that I want is to be of use, to have a purpose, to have something to do that would make a difference.